today in Watching Your Wealth. Red flags your adult children are using you for your money. This is Watching Your Wealth from the Wall Street Journal. Now, from our studios in New York, here's Veronica Dagger. This is Veronica Dagger, and you're listening to Watching Your Wealth, while you learn all you need to know about building your wealth and protecting your money. John McManus is a trust and estates lawyer and principal of McManus and Associates. Welcome, John. Thanks very much, Veronica. Great to have you. So no parent wants to admit their child is using them for their money or is angling for a bigger part of their estate. But this happens, doesn't it? Probably more often than we think. Uh, it's uh, In some senses, they feel that there is an entitlement because they may be around mom and dad more than others. And uh, that may be because their economic situation is such that they've become dependent on mom and dad, but then they find themselves situated where mom and dad now need them. Oh, so that uh, that's an awkward situation to be in for everyone. So let's go through some of the signs. You said first a child raises discussions about their cash flow struggles to their parents. This might be a, f- a sign they might be trying to get more money. So this may be a one-time discussion or it may be a perennial issue for that one child who has not necessarily reached a certain level of economic independence compared to their siblings. And they may say, can you help out with my credit cards? You know that I'm spending time helping you at home and I haven't been able to work as many hours or see the progression in my career and uh, you could sure give me a hand here. And after all, I'm helping, too, with you by providing you support that maybe a nurse or another caregiver would have to give. That almost has, like, a little bit of underlying threat to it. I don't know. Maybe that's just the way I'm hearing it. But, like, what do you say to that if you're the parent? So uh, certainly the parents can be in a position where they're feeling dependent at this point in their life. Uh, I think that if there are other children, it's important first to consider bringing that topic up, although there may have been this secret in the family for years by providing help to that one or more children. I think the second thing to do is to say, I don't want to provide you of making your own way in the world, and certainly I'm here to help you, but imagine how good you would feel if you're able to resolve some of these financial issues on your own. After all, I won't be around forever. Yeah, and hopefully they do have that motivation to want to resolve some of those issues and get off the the, um, the support system of mom and dad. What if they're constantly asking you, though, for that support, for that financial support? What do you do as the parent? I think uh, part one is um, that uh, you could say, listen, I think there are two issues. The first is I'm, I'm here to help you. Um, but it would be unfair to disproportionately favor you compared to your siblings. Uh, if I did, I would want to make sure that your siblings knew about it. You may resist that. Part two is that I would give you a loan, and that loan would be something that you could pay back over time, um, but uh, ultimately you would pay it out of my estate as part of your distribution. That's a smart move to pay it out of the estate because it might be hard to actually go collect that money while you're alive sometimes, especially if a child isn't very motivated in their career. Another red flag you said is they may want to be named jointly to your house or bank accounts. Your child is asking to be named jointly to your house or bank accounts. What, you know, tell us about that and what does the parent say to that one? Well, I I think the the children, if... Uh, have thought this through can be a very clever um, approach because they can say for economic efficiency, mom, dad, 
Uh, I can get to the bank. I can make deposits. I can write checks if you're unavailable. If I'm on the deed to the house um, because I'm here looking out for you, if you pass away and I'm not on the deed, then it has to go through probate, and I may be forced to leave very quickly after I'm mourning your loss, mom or dad. I think the answers here are that mom can create a small uh, account. Uh, she can have another child on it if there is another child. That would just strictly be for monthly expenses, and they can establish that and meet uh, and go through the bills. Part two, with respect to the deed, uh, one of the most efficient ways is to put uh, the house in a revocable trust, which avoids the probate process. It does not give the child immediate use of the house during the, the child during the parent's lifetime, but would provide for that child and others after they pass away. The other thing you said is it could be a red flag if your child wants to get power of attorney or become your health care proxy. Tell us why that's a red flag, because I would think in some certain instances, instances, excuse me, that would make sense. There's no question that it makes sense. Uh, the answer is that power um, can abuse and ultimate power can abuse ultimately. So when you name your child, and indeed it's a, a important to do that and we do this every day, but if the child is named alone um, or to the exclusion of other children, then you find yourself in a position where they could make gifts to themselves, um, they could write checks out uh, to pay their own expenses, and in many of these instances, it's very hard to justify that there's been uh, fraud uh, after mom passes away because they could say mom directed me to do this and the key witness is no longer on earth. Oh, man. You know what? This sounds, some of this sounds so sinister, and I would think some of our listeners are, are hearing this saying, you know, my sweet Johnny or my sweet Janie would never do this. What do you say to parents? Uh, it is a very, very nuanced point. Uh, one client had said to me, I've got four children, and for certain, when they were growing up, each one required less amount of mashed potatoes than the other. If one child sought to have a second or third heaping, should I deprive them of that? And that philosophy often grows into adulthood. And there is a notion that um, if this child is requesting, it is indeed because they need it. And... Uh, Frankly, many of these are not necessarily moral uh, issues. There is a subtle piece where you're trying to help. But I think in the end, the most important thing is to stop and check. If you have other children, I think it's important to discuss that. And also to the child requesting, say, let's have a family meeting on this topic. Great tips. Excellent stuff. Any last quick tips we should be thinking about? Any other last red flags? Or is that about it? And no, another one you said was beware if your child always expects you to pay the bill, too. Well, I would say two quick things. Expecting to pay the bill is a, is a way that mom and dad could say, wouldn't you feel good if you treated us to dinner? And maybe the child feels like we've always adopted this, I'm dependent on mom and dad. I provide them affection and comfort and uh, time with them. They can help me financially. And I think mom and dad have to take a, a more direct step. You know, the, the other thing I think is important is if the child secures the lawyer for the estate, the lawyer and mom and dad should include everybody else and say include them on a conference call because too frequently that child may direct um, the outcome of the will and not really represent what mom and dad wanted in their soul. 
great tips. John, we need to take a quick break, but when we come back, we'd love for you to take our fun estate planning quiz. Join the Wall Street Journal at the Future of Everything Festival on May 21st to 23rd in New York City, where diverse global newsmakers share unique perspectives on navigating a changing world. Immerse yourself in live performances, explore pioneering technologies, and indulge in the city's inventive culinary scene. As a podcast listener, enjoy 20% off current ticket rates with code PODCAST. Visit wsj.com slash f-o-e-f podcast to secure your spot. For more insights, enable the Wall Street Journal skill on any device with Amazon Alexa. Get all of our podcasts, as well as the latest news and market updates. The Wall Street Journal. Listen ambitiously. This is Watching Your Wealth from the Wall Street Journal. Now, from our studios in New York, here's Veronica Dagger. Welcome back to Watching Your Wealth. Now it's time for estate planning lawyer John McManus to take our fun estate planning quiz. John, you ready? Sure am. All right. What's the best estate planning advice you ever heard? So a client of ours sat down and he had eight children and he said, soon it's going to be necessary that I'm going to need live-in assistance. So I'm going to request that each of my children have me at their home for one month each and then rotate through. Whomever's home I'm in at the time I pass away, they'll receive 50% of the estate and the remainder will be divided in equal shares among the children I don't. Of course, the idea being that everyone is playing musical chairs with their father's money, and I think he's smiling all the way to heaven. Interesting. Worst estate planning advice you ever heard? I think the worst estate planning advice is something that happens uh, profoundly repetitively, and this is uh, when parents say, I do not want to get in the middle of this. My children can work this out after I pass away. And the fact is that I'm in this business because I watched this happen with my grandfather and his estate. And the answer is without the family patriarch and matriarch there, there is no referee to work through the issues. And the children are in the sandbox wrestling, and it can take years. Excellent point. Fill in the blank. An estate plan can buy? A profound sense of completion, at least for a brief period of time but not mortality. True. Fill in the blank. An estate plan can't buy. Necessarily appreciative heirs and (laughs) children who will adopt your motivation to make their own way in the world and to live a conservative life. So true. If you inherited $1 million after tax, what would you do with it? I think that the lesson I've learned after 25 years uh, of this is that my wealthiest clients are the ones who can look to see that their children have done, each and every one of them done well. There's a famous quote, we're only as happy as our least happy child. And I believe that I would spend that time completely committed to seeing to the success of the children and having them work together as a unit, even having family meetings, choosing a, a wonderful destination spot working through where the estate would go, make sure they were all well-educated, well-coached, and um, focusing on the team of the family. That's a great idea. Thank you so much for joining us, John. My complete pleasure. Thank you for having me, Veronica. Our pleasure. And do you have a personal finance or estate planning question you'd like us to answer? Email us at podcast at dowjones.com. 
This has been Watching Your Wealth, a production of the Wall Street Journal. I'm Veronica Dagger. For more information, check us out at wsj.com slash podcasts. Thanks for listening. Follow the Wall Street Journal on your favorite podcast app. Search WSJ on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Play Music, Stitcher, and any Amazon Alexa device. The Wall Street Journal. Listen ambitiously.